Listener Production. We're back with Willow Talk. Great to be with Brad Haddon in the studio. I'm Adam Peacock, by the way, and that's Brad Haddon. Hads, how are you, mate? Very well. How are you? I'm excited today. I'm excited to talk to our guest, mm. see, see what's happened over the, the last week. Has he been celebrating? Is he caught up on sleep? He had to fly home with his daughter. Oh, oh so that's the uh, – I'm looking forward to talk to Trav today. I'm just happy that we've got our guest here and it's not 6 o'clock in the morning here in Australia where we're recording this. It's a it's a more sociable hour, Travis Head. Thanks to Harvey Norman. Trav, welcome back to Australia on Terra firmer of home soil once again. How are you, mate? I'm going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice not to have to do it in a hotel at 10 o'clock at night as well. And yeah, I think it's good good timing for everyone. How was the trip back, mate? And Hads has said to me previously, having played in the Nashes series and like all the hype and you're on this emotional high and roller coaster and that, is there a lull when you get home? It's like, oh, far out. Uh, it's definitely nice to be home. That lull probably come in the transit period, I guess, of uh, five to six test matches for us, working our backsides off mentally, physically. Yeah, a few quiet beers at the end of it and, and you get up and you get an early flight and, yeah, you're just keen to get home. So, but, yeah, the last couple of days it's been pretty quiet and, yeah, it's, it's it's nice. I've spoken to a lot of people in the public already that are around that just how cool it was and how great of a series it was. So mm. how, how do you reflect on the series? To, to me, looking from the outside, it was, it was an amazing couple of months. You, you won the World Test Championship, you, you retained the Ashes. And, and and what was your debrief like? Were you happy with how everything ended? Um, oh, I think if you were telling us at the start of the series we were going to win the Test Championship and, re- and take the Ashes home with this, that was that's probably a, a box ticked. But I guess the way we did it, the opportunities that we had, is it's, it's probably one that we missed. And uh, I know the feeling coming back from 19 was, how amazing that was. And yes, we may have missed a chance, but who really cares because it had been so long since we retained the Ashes. But this sort of time around, having retained them previously, just to be tuning up and miss a couple of chances, it was it was a bit of more of a lull and a bit disappointing, but probably more so because a few guys probably know they're not coming back to get that chance. So interesting feeling. Obviously a great one taking Ashes home again. We've, we've held it for a period of time now, which is good. But yeah, there's probably that little bit of, yeah, different balancing act of, of emotions. With the series, it, it in two ways I can see it's a series like no other. Firstly, it was squashed in the calendar, so yeah. so condensed. So you got no time to think. You got that little trip to Amsterdam, and <laughs> still, Travi, the only man I know that's yeah. taken a small child to Amsterdam on his uh, on his days off. But uh, well done, fair play to you. Yeah, I, I haven't got mad around that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but also the fact that you're playing against this such unique brand of cricket. So it's all happening so quickly on the field, and then off the field, it's all happening. So you haven't got time to breathe. Did that? in any way, shape or form, play with your mind a little bit in the whole tour? Um, no, I think we knew that coming in and I guess you got to feel for the games as they went. It's definitely the most mentally taxing series I've played in. And I actually come back feeling pretty fresh in the body physically throughout the whole series and that's probably somewhere where you, especially in Australia or, or as longer grinding test cricket, it probably plays more in the body but we're only fielding sort of 80 overs and at the time it, physically it doesn't feel like much but mentally it still feels like we're out there for 120 overs because the ball is flying around you mentally engage the whole time on the boundary because you're like feeling like the ball is going to come flying at you. All of a sudden you're batting and the, and the conditions and the crowd and all the emotions. So because the game went in such a flow, yeah, I think the mental side of things for the six weeks was probably the hardest part about it all. Interesting. Your great mate Nathan Lyon came out and he, he said, Baz balls all smoke and mirrors. Um, he, he reckons it's not a real thing. So what's your take on, on the style that England's playing at the moment? Um, yeah, well, I feel like they're definitely trying to play that aggressive brand, like not only on field but off field, the way they talk. I think 
obviously us being 2 nil up and them coming out of the media and saying we're 2 nil up was, it, yeah, it was a bit. Uh, <laughs> like That's as bad as that. Yeah, it was all played out and whether or not we engage in that or that sort of tries to play on the mind of us, yeah, who knows. But there's definitely half the, like I think in their batting lineup, there's a couple of senior players that can anchor it and can sort of manipulate the situation. So you look at Stokes, he played some innings that were like outrageous, but on the flip side was able to, gain a bit of momentum back, but then sort of duck it, Crawley, Root to an extent, and Brook sort of have free reign to go as, as hard as they want, and then they know that they've got some bankers around them. So interesting the way they play. I don't think they all play it, but there's definitely some guys that are, are let off the leash. Yeah, Hads, from my point of view, you, you look at it as a fan. A week on, you have a bit more time to think of it. It's like England were only allowed to play baseball at certain times, and it wasn't because they didn't – they were trying to, you know, manipulate the situation. It was because – our bowling attacks, unlike anything that they've experienced in the two years that they've been playing this brand of cricket. I don't know if you've got a, a different view on it. There, There is a such thing as called baseball. They just weren't allowed to do it for as long as they wanted to. Yeah, and that was a talk going into the series. Um, England are playing this new style of, of free cricket, but it, when you've got Stark, Camo, Hazelwood, Nathan Lyon when he's there, it's hard just to sit, stand there and hit them wherever you want, whenever whenever you like. So I, I think at times that they, they threw caution to the wind. We've probably seen that at the... Lancashire Test match where that was the only time that they really got away from the Australians. But before mm. that, the Australians were only bowling 80 overs a day. So it allowed them to have um, good recovery time. Yeah, Trav, did you feel that out there that you could see them getting frustrated that they weren't allowed to play their brand, their style the whole time? Um, yeah, not so much frustrated. I think they did do that. I think they definitely come out with a license at the top. I think as wickets fell and, and, and moments that we were able to get on top of them, look at edge bats and it probably – just valued their wicket a little bit more or it just posed a question to them of, of can we take a risk? Where at the start of their innings, when they're none down, they sort of can take one. They, they can, they're happy to cop one or two wickets, but then if we get them five or six down, sort of where are they going to go with it? And I, I reckon they did sort of match that and try to, I guess, balance like that. And, and that were the, mil- the moments that we felt like we were on top. Speaking of moments, where do you stand on that ball change? There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of whispers going along that the balls were for 2019. They scratched them before they went out there. Who knows what happened? Because the 2019 ones are a different version of the Dukes yeah, ball. Yeah, they were. They've changed the seam or something? Uh, I they think, or the lacquer? I think they've or? changed the seam and, and a different coat of lacquer. So it was a, it was a really strange one, Trav, <laughs> looking from that one from the outside, especially knowing the rules of the game. You've got to get the ball as close as you possibly can to the one that resembles what's mm. been used. We're on top of the game. We we learnt the right to dictate what was going on, and and then that ball change, that, that's something that we we need to see investigated. I think, Trav. Yeah, I think yeah, I've heard seen rumours that the sort of eighteen nineteen ball that we used in the nineteen series that had a bigger seam on it and whatnot. I've heard rumours that it may have been one of them. I, <laughs> I, I I doubtful that it's one of them. They obviously stamped and everything. I think it, I, I've I've read a lot of stuff with Duke coming out and saying they were going to investigate it and more put it back on the ICC or or even Surrey who. Obviously, the Oval have and the match referees have the box of balls for that ground. And yeah. I know that with some of the balls that we knock them in ourselves at training and we with the bowlers sort of get them, and then, but they're never ever going to get to a game spec. So I don't know how many are in. I know the Test Championship, there was a limited supply as well. So, And that was at the Oval. But it probably comes down to, yeah, who's managing actually what goes in and out of that box because I think throughout the whole series – the replies that we got with some of the bulls were the, the box wasn't up to scratch and then it's luck of the draw. And I think there were definitely moments throughout the series where the bull would, were either slightly older or slightly newer but not to the extent that it was. And I guess whether it's a good thing or bad thing, bad thing for us at the time that it's come out like the way it has. But I think for 
my whole test career and especially in England, changing the ball can change the game and there's no doubt that both teams and all teams have always tried to get a ball change because they know that there's inconsistencies with the ball and I think it's just uh, it, it's just made the situation huge in the situation that it was mm. and, the, and the, how different the balls were in contrast. So, yeah, there's an issue with it but there's always been an issue with it. I think it's just shone a little bit of light on the, the, the how much variety is in those boxes. Yeah, there was a coincidental momentum swing. Let's call it that after it got changed. But when it got changed, you guys in the rooms, were you like, are they for real? What's going on here? Or did it didn't get picked up until it was reported later? Um, oh, the batters come off. It didn't sort of, we didn't, I didn't see it because um, I didn't see it on the TV. It wasn't probably until the morning that the, the split screens and whatnot come up. But like I said, it's not different to it's not out of the ordinary to have a ball that's slightly different when you change it obviously it's not going to be the mm. same ball and sometimes you get a soft one sometimes you do get a hard one the boys come off Davian was and said like that is completely different ball and how it felt on the bat and everything it wasn't until the morning that we sort of seen the split screens to see how much different it was but like I said it's, it's not it's this it's similar to have that sort of condition but to the extent that we copped it yeah it's mm. a tough one. Oh well Enough of the whinging from our point of view anyway. Not yours, Trav, us, <laughs> you know, observers. Your own series, how would you view it on reflection? Um, yeah, I, I battled away. Um, obviously, the game plans that they come with me, I felt like I was able to contribute in the first couple of tests to, to test wins and, and that was nice. But I feel like, yeah, the, the back end, I got a couple of 40s where I felt like I was in and settled, especially that last day. But yeah, I can cop sort of nicking off in the first innings of that last test with a nice ball that I felt like I played not too badly. And But then the second innings to get 40-odd and then out is, is disappointing. So, yeah, oh, I think all in all, looking at where I was in 19 against the moving ball, I averaged like mid-20s this series around, mid mid to high 30s, and I got 100 in the Test Championship. So uh, not a, not a, a bowl means not a bad tour, but not a, not a great tour, so somewhere in the middle. Trevor, I've seen your game develop enormously over the last 24 months, and, and you found a home for yourself at number five. You know, you know your game. You, you're a momentum change in there. Is, is that something you're keen to stay at number five? Do you see yourself going up to a three? We've seen you open in the past. Is, is that a goal of yours to, to move up the order, or are you really content at the moment with your role at five? Uh, well, I've got no goals on set on where I fit in the batting lineup. Obviously, there's a lot of talk around certain positions, one in India, one in England, where I was going to go, how we fit our six best batters in the team. And I think I've always said I'd bat wherever they needed me. So, I'm, look, I think I think five suits me well. Yeah. And the feedback I've got is from Pat and from Ronnie's that they don't want to move me around at this stage. But, again, I've always said I'm open to bat wherever I, wherever I needed to to play test career for Australia or to play any format for Australia. So, where I bat doesn't really phase me and I feel like, like you said, I've done a lot of work around my technique to hold me in good stead. I don't think that is as an opening batter. I think that, but like I said, I've batted at three and four in, in shield cricket for a period of time. So I think, yeah, against a newer ball, sometimes that counterability, but at five behind Smithy and Manus is probably the perfect place to bat at the moment. Don't, don't rule yourself out opening. There's other tours of India, travel the subcontinent, and <laughs> as, as you know, you've got to get up the top of the order with there. It's like <laughs> so the bowling, we'll, we'll mate. <laughs> subcontinent, four, fifth day bowler, and there's no reason why I can't be a subcontinent in batter. So, um, yeah, if the role's needed, I'm happy to do it. Are you across over rates and how it sits at the moment? So we, on countback, won the Ashes because they got pinged more over eight penalties than we did. We lost 10 at one, but all in Manchester as well when there was two days lost to rain, and that's what Uzi Kawaja said on social media. He said, how can you be pinged for a slow over rate when the test match doesn't even finish? But I see his point, but I also see the point that Australia was way behind on the over rate there. I've had this 
thought in my head, Trav, shoot me down if you want, that I actually think there should be some kind of in-game penalty, whether it be runs. If you get ridiculously behind, I'm not saying two or three, but maybe five to ten in a day, there's got to be some consequence in-game rather than just these fines that you guys miss out on your lunch money or whatever. It might be more than lunch money, I'm not sure. But how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that's the balancing act of, the, of ICC and what the, the players have sort of argued that finance and um, test championship points is a, is a huge one. Like you want – we've just won the test championship and you want to – that in itself like overrates could cost us playing in a final. If the importance around an ICC event and a World Cup event, if overrates were to cost us, I know I did a couple of years ago and how mm. sort of flat we were with that because we felt like we should have been there. I think that in itself. So I think the changes of obviously bringing it back to 50% means that, yes, there's still a finance sort of background for guys that really, really love their cash. But I think the massive one, the kicker for us is losing the test championship points. I think that's what was said sort of we had two days of rain. It's very much hindsight on whether we were going to bowl again. I think we were going to keep batting. So we wouldn't have got another opportunity in Manchester to bowl um, if we are realistic. But, yeah, the kicker yeah. for us is that is that test championship. Is We lose points for that. We, we might find ourselves out of a final. You ever lost your match fee, Hads? Yeah. Yeah, what for? Not for slow over rates. Yeah, what for? But no, mate, we're talking to Trav. No, no, no. We're mate, talking we're to you We're lucky enough to have Trav here today. What'd so. you do? Oh, I think I had a chat to Solomon Ben, Mitchell, Johnson and I. And <laughs> my bat somehow got in his face. I don't oh, know how it got there. Gravitational force <laughs> just took it away from me. We're talking it? to Trav. It's a lot more interesting hearing Trav stories. But mine. what's it like when you lose your, oh, I call it lunch money, but it's obviously a bit more than lunch money. Oh, it's worth it. Yeah? yeah? With the Solomon Ben <laughs> one, it was worth every bit of it. Trav, have you ever caught one for anything other than overrates? Oh, Booney did me for the stump mark a few years ago in the Ashes. <laughs> I dropped a very, very inappropriate word when I uh, missed a cut shot, which, yeah, my mother wasn't very pleased. She's always told me that I'm too loud on the stunt mark when I bat, but, yeah, I may have dropped a, a filthy word and copped 20%. How can you get done by Booney? Like, surely he's, he let slip a few of those words back in the day. That was Mate, and that he wasn't asleep. <laughs> yeah, that was spoken about. And I think, oh, yeah, I got pinged a few days later when it came out that everyone sort of, it made as well, yeah, TikTok, a wonderful thing. It made itself into a little video and uh, yeah, it came back and stung me. Mate, Trav, I noticed throughout the series that there was a lot of chat with the English players on, on the field. Um, was that like a, a tactic thing? Was that just you played a lot of cricket with, with each other? But that didn't go off the field because they didn't want to have a chat to you after the game and, and have a beer with you. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I I think a lot of the guys would have said that it's played in probably some of the better spirits that Ashes cricket has been and when everyone's on the boundary, hard to chirp too much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I guess I'm one that hasn't really got involved in it too much over the years and not too, been bothered, too bothered by. I'd rather play on, on skill and, and worry about making some runs or, or not dropping any catches rather than chirping and bringing more attention to myself. So, there's a moment for it, a bit of laughter, a bit of fun. But um, oh, in terms of the, it's been played up a little bit this post-match, I think we hung around for a bit. They had uh, a couple of retirements and I think a few staff that were going and we sort of knocked a couple of times and, and got told two minutes, which turned into an hour and the boys got a bit fed up. But, yeah, a few of the boys met up with them afterwards and I've been in contact with a couple of the guys that I was close with about, yeah, the different uh, differences in the timings. But um, a bit disappointing, <laughs> but, it, yeah, it, I don't think it was – by design. So you didn't go to the nightclub, you got the hook because you had the early flight with the, the little one. You didn't get into the Voddy Red Bulls at a local establishment? Yeah, I may have been involved in that, but uh, <laughs> hard not to be at the end of the series. But um, yeah, we may. Yeah, we, we went there together. So, well, we didn't go there together just by design again that the, both teams found themselves at the same place on a 
on a Monday. I think it was Monday night, but there's not many yeah. places, places to go on a on a Monday night in London. So we found ourselves at the same place. So yeah, shared one or two vodka balls together, and then off to the flight. It was all fine. There was no games of run at me's out the front or at closing or anything like that. It was all all cool. No, all cool, all cool. There was a few, a few boys that I know, sort of Ben Duckett was sort of chirping me a little bit about us dogging them and I chirped in a little bit about them dogging us. So um, <laughs> all in good spirits. Um, yeah, like I said, I think it was all a bit laughed off from us and then the media played up a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it was, yeah, it wasn't meant to be, but um, those things happen. Aside from that, when you spent the entire series on the boundary basically when we were fielding, so – was it puerile, the advice you were getting from the crowd, or was it <laughs> like a bit of imagination brought into the verbal that you were copying? Yeah, it wasn't as witty as it has been in the past, <laughs> which I was surprised at. I thought that normally the English crowds, are, yeah, don't go as loose as they did, but um, I found myself in the position a few times where I thought I was more as a football match than a cricket match. But, um, yeah, I, I try and keep on my side. Is that You can't get them offside too early, so... Throughout the whole series, I try to have them as much fun with the with the crowd as I possibly could. I try to take the piss out of myself as much as I could, or have a laugh, or yeah, find the funny side of things. Because if you could do that, then they were a little bit nicer than some. And but yeah, when you're on there the whole time, you got to try and stay as nice as you can. You got to pick your side. I sent Murph out to the Western Terrace at Leeds, <laughs> and I, I sent I sent Mitch out to the uh, temporary stand in Manchester. So. Um, yeah. I'd already done my hard work in the first couple of tests. I wasn't going to find myself in all four or five of them. Did, did the crowd get to, to any of the players? I, I see, seen in one series we had over there in 2008-9 that the crowd got to Mitchell Johnson. They, they, they were quite direct in, in their comments to him and by the end of the tour it, it, it had burned him out. Yeah. He, he, was, uh, he was struggling um, and, and they got the, the result they needed. But mm. he got payback in, in 2012-13 when Didn't he bowled Thunderbolt. Thunderbolts at him and scared the world. But was there anyone where you thought, you know what, we need to keep them away from the the fine leg boundary or keep them in the ring? No, I don't know. We didn't get to that stage. Um, I, I guess in this environment at the moment, not saying that Mitch wasn't, but like the guys are pretty jovial about it all and, and, and have a laugh with it. And the, the sort of the hardness of the series is I think I feel like the edge of them, that still played very, very hard, but they're sort of, yeah, a, a nicer tone to them at the minute. And, again, they, they were so keen to see England do well that, yeah, they were being pretty abusive. But at the end of the day, if you can have fun with them and enjoy it, then it wasn't too bad. And most of it wasn't directed personally. It was just getting called a prick pretty much the whole time. So um, it didn't matter who went out there. They got the same chat. So, yeah, Soccer it was fun. Mm. Sounds like the worst would have been fielding at Flyslip in front of the members' pavilion at Lords, the way that they were carrying on all the hyphens out there. Anyway full of their shardy. Trav, stick around. We're off to a quick break because uh, you're going to get the passport out again soon to play some white ball cricket. We're going to talk about that after the break on Willow Talk. Travis Head with us all thanks to Harvey Norman. We're back with uh, Adam Peacock, Brad Haddon on Willow Talk and special guest thanks to Harvey Norman, Travis Head, who, yeah, you get five minutes at home, Trav, and then you're off to South Africa and then you've got India as well with the World Cup squad all named uh, earlier this week. You're in both, T uh, T20. And one day squad, keen as, or you need a couple of head, a couple more days to get your head around this. Yeah, keen as. Um, it's going to be hard going from the slogger on the Red Bull, the only slogger in the Red Bull team, to the 
probably the one that hits us the least furthest with some of the names in that team. So um, I sort of like being the only slogger in the team. So now I'm going in a bunch with all of them. So I'll work on that over the next couple of weeks. No, yeah, it'd be nice. It's nice to obviously get another look at the T20s. It's saying that I haven't played a hell of a lot over the last couple of years. So I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm in a good space for that and uh, and then look, and then obviously a huge one day series for us into what is a, a massive World Cup so looking forward to it first one so I've missed out a couple of times previously sort of at that last hurdle and this sort of time around I found myself at the last hurdle find myself in the team getting an opportunity which is nice. Trav, it must be good also preparation point of view. You've been into a lot of one-day squads where you've sort of come in and said, oh, we might use him at five. We couldn't use him at six later in the order. He can also play at the top. But you know your role now in this one-day team. You've got a great partnership with David Warner. So leading into a World Cup, you can pace your preparation now knowing you're going to open soon as you get to India. It's not that important, your results in, in South Africa, making sure you get your rhythm right for the first game of that World Cup. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, like I said, I played a really good stint of games sort of in that middle order up until probably 12 months out of that last World Cup and then missed, and then found myself out of the team and vice versa. I guess that, that we're, we're 12 months out and I sort of got my chance back at opening the batting that I sort of been waiting for for a period of time and knew that the chance was going to come at some time. Yeah, I was able to take that and find myself in a position now where I'm going into a World Cup that I can be as prepared as I want to be. And, and like you said, we're not going to win a World Cup in South Africa. The condition can be very different. Um, yep. But it'll be that runs and runs, and it'll be nice to contribute, play well, and take a bit of momentum into India. With a World Cup in India, how's it different, Traven? You've played a lot of one-day internationals over there. What they're going to serve up wicket-wise, obviously a bit different to test wickets. What kind of conditions and what kind of cricket do you reckon will be required to, to walk away with the trophy over there? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as the series goes on and the wickets, obviously, as more games are played at some of the venues, whether or not – yeah, more and more spin will come into it later as the series goes on. But the wickets that we played on in the last series were really good wickets. Open the batting, obviously, with Mitch. He took the game on and that was a directive. The, the two, two of the top sort of want to get off to a flyer as much as we can. And, yeah, there could be some pretty high-scoring games. So from a batting side, yeah, trying to be as aggressive as we can throughout the whole innings. And when we bowl, it was about bowling really tightly. And I think we did it really, really well to beat you during the series that we did. I felt like, yeah, through the middle of the spin bowl really, really well. I think Starkey's a huge one for us with that new ball. He blew some blew some top orders apart. So, yeah, wickets at the top and, and, and plenty of runs is the key, especially in India. You've got to play pretty aggressive cricket to, to find yourself on top. Yeah, just looking at the uh, the T20 team as well, that yourself, Trav, Mitchell Marsh, who is the captain, we'll get to Mitch as a, uh, a leader of men in a moment. but um, Great leader of men. And Steve Smith. As well. So the only three from the, the Test Series are in this T20 squad to, to play in South Africa. But um, Steve Smith's name jumps out at me. How's look at your take as well. Like you think, oh, is he towards the end? What's he doing with his Test career? And then all of a sudden... No, he's in all three forms still. Yeah, I, I can understand Smitty's selection because if you've seen last year in the Big Bash, he, he made a conscious decision to, to get back into the, the T20 form of the, from the game. He hadn't played that for a while with the Sixers. Um, we've seen how dominating actually he was when he, he got to the top of the order. So looks like to me he, he set himself up to, to play a lot of 2020 cricket. I'm, I'm mm. a bit nervous though. It, he might not too distant future say, oh, I've had enough of test cricket and, and go on the 2020 circuit. Mm. But I, I like that he's he's back playing 2020. He'd be great at the top of the order with Travs. So it's good to see guys with Smitty's class making themselves available for all three forms. Yeah, I think he's, he's just showed how classy he is. We don't get, you don't get to see those sort of guys, him and Davey and whatnot. It was great to see him in the big bash and probably goes a little bit, I'm probably a little bit forgotten on how, quality he is uh, when you don't see someone in a format he's always a test player everyone will have their opinion and 
he just blew the big bash apart. He just showed why he's probably the best in our generation. Yeah, I feel like he's sort of proven a point there and, and showed everyone that he, he is class and it would be great to see him get his opportunity. I think, he again, him he, him in India in just the one days and obviously now T20 cricket, he's an unbelievable player of spin, but he picks fast bowling up and I've never seen someone play fast bowling as well as he as him probably, especially in the white, white ball format. And your good mate Mitch Marsh, how's he going to go with the C? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be good. Obviously, yeah, like you said, he's an unbelievable team man. He's a he's a great people person, and I think just think, obviously, tactically he'll be fine. He's done it for WA. He's done it for the Scorchers. He's won titles as captain. Yeah, you've seen how WA cricket has has been better for Mitch being around and um, him as a captain and a leader, but. I think he's just his, his people skills, his communication, his care and, and yeah, just his, his want to, for people to be better in a creative environment. And he really, really does care. So I think when you've got a captain like that, like we've seen with Pat, who's someone genuinely cares about the person, the career stuff will take care of itself. But the environment that you create is, is extremely important and I'm looking forward to it. He's going to create a very, very good one. <laughs> I can't imagine that he's the type of captain that's going to say, hey, guys, enough of the laughs. Like switch, like you know, he's he's a guy that lightens the mood, from what I can tell, so so easy. Now I'm not saying that he's going to make this into the Benny Hill show, and try and just make it a laugh a minute type thing, but there's not going to be a heavy air of kind of anticipation and pressure in the group. I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, Mitch Marsh controls the room well. No matter what sort of company he's in, he, he can control the room. There, there'll be times with this squad where he allow them to have a laugh. But once they've got to switch on, he's got that side too and he's got the respect of the senior players like Trav, Steve Smith to say, no, no, now's our time to prepare, get all your everything done and, and then we can enjoy ourselves afterwards. But he, he holds a room pretty well, doesn't he, Mitch Marsh? Yeah, I think that's the strength of this squad, to be honest, and he's a huge contributor to that, is that this team has a very, very good time. But anyone from the outside that we've had sort of like Dewey over this period and we've had AFL coaches in the past come in or, or say NRL players, anyone that's come in the environment have said, oh, how relaxed our boys are at training and like in the sheds and have a good time and have a laugh and the environment's good. And then they go, geez, when they, like, as soon as they walk in the nets, it's full noise. And um, this team is very, very good at flicking the switch and knowing when the right times are to do certain things and when the right time is to, to switch on. And, yeah, like you said, like Mitch is a huge part of that. He's he, the, the more jovial guys of that who create the environment they are. But, yeah, there's definitely a, a hard switch to him and a hard uh, edge to him. But, like, he's got big old shoulders because we all jump on the back of him. <laughs> big old head. <laughs> big bison shoulders and head. Um Quick one, Trav, to you about an SA boy, Spencer Johnson, fiery quick. What's he got ahead of him in the white ball international realm? Yeah, he's got a huge opportunity, hasn't he? He's a, I really like the fact that at the moment he's playing around, he's playing in Canada, he's, I think he's playing in the 100 coming up, he's about to go there. Uh, he played in the States not long ago. So he's done the three sort of franchises uh, in the last couple of weeks and, then he, he, and that means he comes into South Africa ready, bowling ready, playing games of cricket. So I really, really enjoyed that. Obviously, I'd love to have him at it's Saka the whole time, but him to branch out the heat and hear something different. I know he's got a real want to play Red Bull cricket as well, which is important because I think that's a fundamental skill that he's got to do some of the hard yards and get an understanding before just all the, the fun and games of T20 cricket. But his first taste of it is someone who's very, very exciting. So, no, he's got a huge 12 months ahead of him. I think he knows that. I think he's ready. I think he's prepared his body really, really well, which has probably been his only issue in the last couple of years. So, nice to see him string a few games together and now get an opportunity. Now, Trav, final ones for you, mate. What have you got ahead of yourself on the domestic, domestic scene, given that you're about to piss off for another couple of months and not be seen around the joint? Like, what, what's on the 
on the table for you? Is it backyard fix-ups or renovations <laughs> or anything like that or is it just normal day-to-day life and just help out where you can? You know, funny, I went, I went to the sucker this morning and trained, so I was meant to have a week off, but if I have a week off, mate, I am going to be able to start up again. So, <laughs> yeah, try and do a couple of mornings uh, during the week in with the boys and then, uh, yeah, a lot of family time. Obviously, I don't think the girls will come with me for most of the, this tour. Obviously, being on the road with me in England was, was extremely difficult to do, to do the whole time. Mm. I was very lucky and fortunate that they were able to stick by me and support me through that, but they probably won't do a bit of South Africa. They might come to India for a little bit. So, yeah, I'm prepared to obviously not see them for a length of time. So, spend as much time as I can with the girls and sneak in a little bit of golf and relax. I'll try and watch a game of footy while I'm here and, yeah, just try to take a bit of a moment. Uh, I'm not going to forget how to bat. So, yeah, take the next couple of weeks to, to just stay connected to home a little bit and then uh, crack into it. What, what I've noticed coaching, I, I've noticed the first-time dads – when they mm. come home, become the best trainers. Mate, they're, they're there an hour <laughs> so early. Disciplined. They, they have a coffee, they have a beautiful <laughs> breakfast, uh, and they just want to train, they want to do extras. So, uh, yeah. Trav, well done for doing all that extra work. Yep, great work. <laughs> Mate, if I stop and just put my pegs up, <laughs> it, won't, it, won't, it won't get pretty. So um, I, if I can take a little bit, keep the wheels moving. But, yeah, I do want to spend as much time as I can at home. So, yeah, it's a nice balancing act. It's, it's nice to have the support from the girls and, yeah, it's going to be hard to go on tour without them, but sometimes yeah, it just needs to be done. Well, Trav, thanks for joining us, mate. Much appreciated and revisiting uh, what we went through with the Ashes and looking ahead to a pretty exciting time with the white ball stuff uh, coming up. Good luck, go well, mate, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers, Travis Head. Thanks to Harvey Norman and Hads. We've got a, uh, a dual episode week here on Willow Talk later in the week. A little Q&A. We've got a stack of questions from our listeners. So um, we've got them all lined up. I'm just intrigued about the answers that you're going to throw up for us. Yeah, I'm interested in some of the questions too <laughs> yeah, and where you, where you did your research. But I tell you what, it's enjoyable there talking to Travis Head. He, he, he's so honest. He's got a good take on the game. He's got a good take on on now life as well as he's a young father and he's going to be a huge, huge player in those indie conditions with with that World Cup. Don't be surprised if he's one of the top run scorers. Yeah, we'll dive into that uh, in much more detail in the coming weeks. But thanks for listening to this episode of Willow Talk. We'll be back later in the week with a Q&A. Have a good one. Listener.